Hello and welcome once again to the Foundry Church Podcast. My name is Joseph. I am the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. We're so glad that you are spending a little bit of your week with us here on the podcast. What you're about to hear is part six and actually the finale of uh, the series we've been going through for the last six weeks called The Gospel According to Ted. Uh, We've been following the journey of Coach Ted Lasso from the TV show Ted Lasso through the Premier League and this whole crazy kind of fish out of water story. Uh, But all of the humanity and uh, beauty and sincerity and kindness uh, and earnestness that he brings to this very dysfunctional sort of situation that he steps into, the things that he learns from them, the things that they learn from him, and the way that they are all sort of brought together and made better by it. Uh, This week, uh, we looked at that scene from um, the last episode of season one uh, where the team is sad. Uh, They are sad together. And uh, Coach Lasso reminds them that it is better to be sad with people than it is to be alone and to be sad. And uh, so Seth um, talked about that and and, uh, ended up um, somehow landing a, a message on sadness in a very positive and hopeful place. Uh, We hope you enjoy this message from The Gospel According to Ted. Good morning, you beat me to it, way to go. (laughs) The chili's got you like already, like you're amped up a little bit more so than normal. Uh, Hi, uh, welcome to the Foundry. Uh, We're all about a better you in a better world. My name is Seth and I'm so very glad that you're joining us, whether you're here in person or online, whether they can see us online or not. The camera's not working. So good luck, oh, there they are. Hey, there I am, there, we're all here together. I'm so very grateful for all that. Uh, Actually, I just got, well, first, let me give a, a big shout out to Mr. Hunter Mertz for filling in last week. I did a great job. Um, <clears throat> I'm so very grateful to him and his heart for the ministry in this place and uh, for the things of God. So uh, I'm grateful that he's here with us. Uh, and then uh, one of the, the Lodes, uh, Mr. Lodes, uh, gave me a gift today, and I want to show you because it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, this is, can we, can we zoom in a little bit? This is a, um, a keychain line of Ted Lasso characters. <laughs> and it doesn't tell you which one it is, so it's a surprise. So we're gonna do like an unboxing video. Um, but I thought this was really cool and I was really excited. Um, I got Roy Kent. <laughs> so if you're not, we haven't like talked about him really in the show, but if you watch the show, He's, he's pretty awesome. Um, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. It's, it's really awesome. I wanted just to like put it on my belt or something, but I thought he might get too distracting. So we'll, he'll, he'll be with us. We'll put him right here, just on the edge. He'll let us know if we do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we are in uh, the very last week of our series, Ted Lasso. Uh, we've been through five weeks of six weeks, uh, and, and today is is a good one. Today's a good one. It's, it's maybe, maybe, even, maybe even a little bit a heavier one, but, but I think it's still great. So today we're going to look at this clip that is like one of the last uh, episodes, one of the last scenes and one of the last episodes of season one. 
Okay, the team has been through all these ups and downs under this first year of leadership under Coach Lasso. Uh, they've come to their final match, and this is a really, really important match. Not because they're playing for a title, not because they're playing for a championship or a trophy, but because they're trying not to get relegated out of the premiership. Okay, now, if you don't know what this means, I'll explain this just very briefly because it's important to like the weight of the moment that we're going to watch. So in case you don't know, in the English football league, <clears throat> professional football leagues in England, there's five levels of professional football. There's the premiership at the top, then there is the Champions League, then there is League One, League Two, and then uh, the National League, okay? The difference between the National League and the premiership is drastic. The average player, the average salary for the National League is like 40, 40 grand a year. The average salary for the premiership is like two million, okay? So if that gives you any idea. So what happens is in the premiership, there's 20 teams. So each season, the bottom three teams at the end of the year, they get what's called relegated. They get kicked out of that league and drop down to the league below them, to the Champions League. So then the top teams from the Champions League, they move up to the Premiership. The bottom three teams from the Champions League, they drop down to League One, right? So all five leagues, if you're winning or doing bad, you move up or down, which then affects things like fan base, salaries, all kinds of stuff. So it's kind of a big deal. It's not like sports in America where if there's a crappy team, they just play out their season and no one really cares, right? Like there, there's some sort of consequence. Like this year in the NFL, right, the, the bottom two teams uh, were the Chicago Bears and the Texas uh, Houston Texans, right? Sorry for any Bears fans. I think they were three and 14. It was a long season for you, right? But what happens? to them. Nothing. Nothing happens to them. They just finish the season. Maybe they get a better draft pick coming up in the next season, right? In the next draft. So nothing really happens. So Coach Lasso and Richmond FC are on the brink of relegation. They're on the brink of losing their premier status. So it's a big deal. So they go play this game. It's a close one. The only thing they can't do in that moment is lose. They score this magnificent goal at the, in the final seconds, what they thought was going to end the game. The team is going nuts. Everyone in the stadium is going nuts. And then while they're celebrating this goal that they think kept them in the premiership, the other team, led by uh, <clears throat> their former player, Jamie Tart, runs the ball down. He makes a pass, and they score in like the final, final seconds, and Richmond loses the game. They lose the game. It's a big deal, right? Their hopes and their dreams have kind of been like crushed in this moment. Like if you were to picture the weight of the crushing in this moment, it would be similar to like tonight after the Chiefs lose and Patrick Mahomes is crying in his locker room. <laughs> Go Chiefs. Like, it's, it's a devastating sort of moment. So this clip from today is the locker room talk after they've suffered this defeat. Okay, so take a look. <clears throat> so take a look. There we go. And blow. So look, I. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. 
Y'all played a heck of a game out there. We may not have won, but y'all definitely succeeded. I mean, you gave the champs 90 minutes of hell. Zero. Where you at? That dude had more saves than a Baptist preacher. <laughs> Give it up for Zero. Yeah. That's right. What about Roy? Roy chased down his grandson. <laughs> Stopped him from getting an easy one. Now look, this is a sad moment right here. For all of us. There ain't nothing I can say standing in front of you right now that can take that away. But please, do me this favor, will you? Lift your heads up and look around this locker room. Yeah? Look at everybody else in here. And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Sam, do you remember what animal has the shortest memory? A goldfish. That's right. That's a goldfish. Sam, what do you think we should all do once we get done being sad and or angry about this situation? I think we should all be a goldfish. I agree. Let's be sad now. Let's be sad together. And then we can be a gosh darn goldfish. Onward. Forward. <clears throat> this is a sad moment right here for all of us. There ain't nothing I can say standing in front of you right now that can take that away. But please do me this favor. Lift your heads up. Look around this locker room. Look at everybody else in here. And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I can promise you there's something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. So let's be sad now, let's be sad together, and then we can be the gosh darn goldfish and onward, forward. I mean, like seriously, how good is, is this stuff? Like it's, it's so incredibly good, and I think the reason it's so good is because there's some, there's like a lot of really deep truth found in this little short locker room talk. I mean, in this short little speech that he gives, he's, he's covering a wide range of things. He covers, like, how do we face difficulty? How do, we, how, do we, how do we handle when things don't go our way? How do we deal with the loss, with the loss of something? He deals with this balance of, of, of sadness and gratitude. He deals with our humanity, our need for connection, our need for community. He addresses living in the present, like honoring the past but not dwelling in it. He addresses moving forward and not carrying a bunch of junk with us as we do, right? It's, it's so good and it's so simple and it's something that I think we just need to be reminded of from time to time. Just be reminded. And it, on top of that, it lines up with so much of like the teachings of the Bible, right? And it's something that I think we can all connect to and relate with, right? Like think about through some of the difficulties you've, you've gone through, right? especially like the, the, the hard times. What was it that helped you through those moments? Think about the difficulties you've been through, maybe this past month, year, couple years, whatever, the hurt, the pain, the sadness that you experienced. And my guess is the thing that got you through it had something to do with the people around you. 
And here's the thing, even if you didn't feel it or didn't realize it, the reality is that you are never alone. Right? You know, there's this, there's this passage you may be familiar with, and I think it's Matthew like 28. We call it the Great Commission, right? Like, what's, what's the most important law, that whole question with the Pharisees and stuff? And Jesus says, well, like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he says, the second one's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We call that the Great Commission. That's an awesome thing. But the thing about the Great Commission is that that's a very, that's a very outward thing, right? That's you pouring yourself out towards God and towards others. But I think there's kind of a, like an inverse to that great commission. There's a flip side to that that I don't think we talk about much or maybe enough. And that is that we must also allow ourselves to be loved by God and to be loved by others. Maybe we could call this like the great reception. The great commission is us giving love to God and to others. But maybe Sometimes we need to be aware of the great reception, that we need to be able to, uh, to be open to receive love from God and love from others. The Great Commission is like our calling. The Great Reception is our comfort. That's how we move through the difficulties of this life. Because I can promise you there's something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. But ain't nobody in this room alone. Ain't nobody in this room alone. This is the great reception. The story of creation points to this idea of connection and togetherness as being a part of God's intended reality. In Genesis 1, it talks about how we are created in the image and the likeness of God. We are created in the image and likeness of a God who is somehow three and somehow one. God is this original community. Therefore, we are created in the image of community. Connection, relationship, and community with God and with others is a part of how you have been made. Even later in Genesis chapter 2, God is looking at man and all the animals, and, and God realizes, like, hey, something's missing. I don't know if God realized that. He probably already knew it, but, like, that's how the story goes. And God's like, hey, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. So what does God do? God creates another human being. God creates the woman, the helper, the aid, the warrior, not just for, like, procreation, not just like to have something that looks better than the prototype, right? Not just because it's like, well, somebody's got to do the dishes, right? Like that there was, God created the other human, the woman, because we are made in the image of community. So the human needed another human in order to experience the fullness of their humanity. To be fully human is to have a shared connection, with the divine, to have a shared connection with one another. There's something about this connection <clears throat> with each other that we have that to me is absolutely fascinating. And I think we overlook it from like maybe more than we should. There's something about this connection that we have with other human beings that's very powerful. This ability to like relate is incredible. This ability that we have to empathize that, that we feed off of each other, that we fuel each other. We have this crazy gift of being able to feel each other's like emotions. We have this crazy gift of being able to read each other's like body language and emotions. We have this ability to take on the energy of another person, right? This last week, <coughs> I got down, I went down a rabbit hole 
of looking at stuff, and I ended up like doing this whole thing about the psychology of mob mentality, which is a weird thing. It's pretty crazy, and there's a lot that goes into it, but there's something that happens when all of these individuals come together surrounding some sort of cause or idea. And whether the idea is good or bad, there's this thing that happens that these individuals merge into this one larger body that works to fuel and feed each other, and they they take on some larger work, right? They accomplish something much greater than themselves. And again, sometimes it can be very helpful, and sometimes it can be a bit destructive. It can be a bit destructive, But there's this interesting thing that happens where because of our connection, when the individuals come together, something much larger than the individual comes into being, right? It's like the thing we've talked about before. Remember we talked about uh, the emergence theory? And we actually showed a video of these little birds called the starlings. And and the, the birds are very much individual in and of themselves. But when thousands of them take off into flight at the same time, they come together in this group and they begin to morph and shape and create all these beautiful images in the air. Like somehow there's this greater thing in their collectiveness than the individual itself, right? This is kind of like what a bit of the mob mentality, except like more beautiful and less violent most of the time. So to be fully human is to have this shared connection with the divine and with one another. And as human beings created in the image of the divine community, not only do we need each other, not only are we connected with each other, but there is this larger body of our collective humanity that is always at play. There's even these little things, maybe you've heard of these, uh, these little neurons that are built into your humanity called mirror neurons. Are you familiar with this? It's been around for a little bit. They discovered it in the 90s and they've been still trying to research it. But these mirror neurons are this specific set of nerve cells that are in your brain that help you to mirror or mimic the behavior of another person, right? And a lot of times this is happening whether you realize it's happening or not. So when somebody smiles and you smile back, even though you're not really sure if you even like them, that's kind of the mirror neuron. Um, <clears throat> if you see like uh, somebody wave, maybe you wave. You know, if, you, if you're watching somebody, have you ever watched um, like some sort of sporting event or maybe the Olympics or something, and you find yourself like clinching as they jump, and you're like, because you're there with them, right? Like you're mirroring the behavior, and you're like, you're sitting on the couch, take take a break. Or if you're watching a movie and you're leaning, you know, like to get out of the way of something. Yeah, like we're, we're always interacting in this weird particular way. Or especially mirror neurons, you see this a lot in babies, right? When you go to grab a baby and it smiles and you're like, you think that the baby's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you because you're the best in the world and, and you just make me smile. The baby doesn't think that. <laughs> I hate to hurt your feelings. The baby doesn't think that. It's the mirror neurons. They're reflecting your smile back to you so that you'll pick it up and take care of it. Right? It's the wild, it's this wild thing that's been built into our humanity. This is also why when you see somebody cry, you might get a bit emotional. When you see somebody going through a bit of a hard time, you feel deeply for them, even though your life may be quite all right. Right? We're made in the image of community, and we've been equipped with all these various things within us that help us to connect and relate with each other better, so that as we go through this life with its various ups and downs, we know ultimately that we're never doing it alone. Because as it says in Genesis, it's not good for the human to be alone. It's not good for the human to be alone. Last weekend, uh, Jess and I and a couple of other couples from here, 
We went and we did a trail run out in Christmas, Christmas, Florida. There's some beautiful trails out there, by the way. If you've never been, you should go check it out. It's, it's worth your time. We go do this trail run. We've been doing trail runs for a while now. And what I've noticed with the trail running community and was just kind of reminded of it last week is like the connection of the community, right? So the trail running in and of itself is primarily an individual event, right? Like it's just kind of you and the trail. And so, yes, you're racing against other people, but so much of it is like the battle of mind versus body, like who will win out? So much of my time on the trail was actually by myself, right? But even within this individual event, there's this deeply communal aspect to the whole thing. Even though it's a race, even though 95% of my time was by myself, <coughs> there's a collective nature to it. There is this collective joy. There is this collective struggle that unites everyone who's a part of it. Even though it's an individual race, everyone supports and encourages each other. So when you're passing somebody or if somebody's passing you, typically there's a, hey, good job. Keep going. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. And then when you get to the end of the race, people typically hang around the finish line waiting to support and encourage everybody else. Come on, you could do it. Here they come. Cheer for them. Cheer for them. Because you know what they're going through. That they're still sweating it out and you know the feeling. You know the pain of the body in that moment. You know the, ga the games that the mind is playing. And so even though you, you have these moments where you feel like maybe you're totally going it alone, there is this shared struggle that unites all of the individuals that are participating in, in this event. And I think that actually helps everyone that's there to move forward. No, none of us are ever alone in those moments. And I think that's part of what helps get us through it. And I think that's even part of what helps us to enjoy it. Right? You're made in the image of community. And we've been equipped with these various things that will help us to connect better and relate to one another. So that as we go through this life, as we go through the ups and downs of life, you're never going through it alone. It's not good for the human to be alone. You know, over the past couple years, this church body has experienced a fair amount of loss. I mean, even this past December, we had four of our members go to be with the Lord. There's been a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. And I understand that everybody grieves differently. Some people want to be around people in their grief. Some people just need a little bit of space, right? I get that. Everyone deals with sadness differently. <coughs> but the thing that, to me, seems to be constant in every situation dealing with loss is that somehow, some way, there is always a coming together. There's always a coming together. There's something about going through the loss of a loved one that tends to bring people together. Well, yeah, of course. You know, maybe it's like the shared struggle. Maybe it's the mirror neurons. Maybe it's empathy. Maybe it's just the love that we share for the same person, this common interest. But it's like the loss of a loved one, to me, reveals the deeper connection that we have, not just with the person who has passed, but also with those who remain behind. It's almost like this perceived loss of connection amplifies the reality of the fact that we are all connected. And so what I've noticed in these times of, of, uh, of situations <clears throat> and loss is that for the most part, the way that you help somebody through a moment like that, the, the, the way that you support somebody through loss has very little to do with what you do or what you say. It seems to be a, a whole lot more about 
like just being with them in the moment. You know, uh, most of the time as I've gone through these situations or, or been with different families as, as they process, and I hear people say either to myself or to somebody else, somebody who's been with them through the journey, I, I never really hear them say like, hey, I'm so grateful for that deep wisdom and insight that you bestowed upon me in my dark moment, right? Like what, what I hear them say to myself or to others is like, hey, thank you so much for being there, right? It was just, it wasn't even about anything I did or anything the other person did or said. It was just, hey, thank you so much for being there, for being in that moment because there's something about our collective humanity, something about our togetherness, something about our connection that is in fact the very thing we need to help each other move through the times of difficulty, right? This is the basic premise of, of what is called Shiva in the Jewish custom of grieving. Shiva is Hebrew for seven. So it's the seven day period of mourning after somebody has passed. And so you've heard the, the phrase like sitting Shiva. So the family will sit Shiva. They will sit for seven days to, to honor, to grieve uh, the loss of a loved one. And then people come to visit and you know, express their condolences. There are several accounts in the Bible where it outlines a seven-day mourning period, which is like where this whole concept and idea comes from. So when you go to sit Shiva with a family, with a Jewish family, like you're, you're not there to fix something. You're not there to like entertain. You're kind of just there to be there. So if you show up and the family is laughing and telling stories, you laugh and you tell stories. If if the family is hugging and crying, you hug and cry. If the family is sitting in silence, you sit in silence. You meet them wherever they're at in that moment. You walk with them through that moment and you help them to see and to feel that they are not alone. Right? This is kind of this is this idea of the great reception that you are loved by God and you are loved by others. And it's this knowing that gives us this hope that we are not alone and it's this knowing that helps us to move forward. Because I can, I can promise you there's something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. But ain't nobody in this room alone. Ain't nobody in this room alone. The whole story of the Bible <clears throat> is that God is always with humanity. The whole story of the Bible is that ain't no one in this life alone. If you, if you follow the story of the Bible, it is God is still here with you always. God has never left you. God is still here with you. From the time in the garden, God is with Adam and Eve. They get kicked out of the garden. Guess where God is? Still with Adam and Eve, clothing them, protecting them. Cain kills Abel. Guess what happens? God is there. He gets sent away, but he still keeps a covering of protection over him. Right? Then he picks this guy, Abram, and he's with Abram throughout his whole story. Then the Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt, and then God rescues them. And then what does God do? God leads them and guides them and dwells with them as he leads them through the desert. Then you get into the New Testament, and you have Jesus who shows up, who is God taking on human form. God with us, Emmanuel, shows up into the scene. And then even after Jesus, God sends the Spirit to guide us, to walk with us, to be with us. And then even along with that, we, we see the establishment of the church, <clears throat> which is human beings becoming the hands and the feet of God to, to remind the world that God is still here and working and, and a part of it, right? It's almost like the whole point of the Bible is for us to understand that what God said to Joshua when he was coming into power after Moses, what God said to Joshua is not only true to him, but is true to us as well. Look at what he says. You may have heard this before. It's fairly common. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them talking about the enemy. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. You don't have to be afraid. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever enemy is in front of you, whatever that looks like, the Lord God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone. God is always with you. This is the message that sits at the heart of the whole Bible. You are never alone. God is always with you. You are never alone. God is always with you. Psalms 40, 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That word is really interesting in the Hebrew text. It's actually two words. It's the word matzah and meod. Matzah and meod. Matzah has to do with this idea of finding or discovering. And meod translates to very, to much, or exceedingly. So the thought is that it's in our times of trouble that we will find or discover <clears throat> the muchness of God. It's in our times of trouble that we will find or discover the abundance of God's presence. It's in the times of trouble that we will find and discover this continual, exceedingly growing presence of God. God is always with us. We will find the abundance of God's presence during times of trouble, which is why God is our refuge and our strength, which is why we really have nothing to be afraid of. Consider the words of God to, to God's people through the prophet Isaiah. They're going through some difficulties, and God says this. So do not fear, even though you're going through a whole lot, and even though you're uncertain about what's coming next, and even though you can't see the future, and even though you're probably worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. So do not fear. For I am with you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Yeah, of course. Of course, because again, like we said in the previous verse, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. It's in the trouble that you come to see the abundance of God's presence. Do not fear. God is always with you. There's something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Ain't nobody in this room alone because God is always with you. And not only that, not only is God always with you, but the Spirit of God that is dwelling within each of you is also with you. <laughs> Do we forget that sometimes? If we believe that God, the Spirit of God is dwelling within us, then God is always with us when you're with others. God is with you through the people that are with you. This is part of like the beauty of being a part of the church. The idea, this is the idea behind everything we've been talking about, that you were made in the image of divine community and we've been equipped with these various things, these gifts, these abilities that allow us to better connect and relate with one another so that as we go through the ups and downs of life, we don't have to go through it alone because it's not good for the human to be alone. There's all kinds of scripture but speak to the need for us to support and protect and take care of and look after each other. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. <clears throat> Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In Ephesians 4, Paul's talking about the unity of, uh, of the church to this body of believers, this group of people who are connected and supported uh, <clears throat> through this common belief. Watch what he says. Verse 16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In Philippians 2, Paul is talking about imitating the humility of Christ, and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. 1 John 3.17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. First Corinthians 10.24, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Right? All of these scriptures are about human connection. They're about community and love and the support that humans should have for one another. Why? Well, because we're made in the image of the divine community, and it's not good for the human to be alone. To be fully human is to have a shared connection with the divine and with one another. This is a sad moment right here for all of us. Ain't nothing I can say standing in front of you right now that can take that away. But please do me this favor. Lift your heads up. Look around this room. Look at everybody else in here. I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because <clears throat> I can promise you there is something worse out there than being sad. And that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. So let's be sad now. Let's be sad together. And then we can be a gosh darn goldfish. Onward. Forward. You know what I love? What I love about this? There's a couple things I, I really love. I love the honesty. He addresses it. We're sad. This sucks. It's okay to acknowledge that we're not okay. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We don't have to pretend everything's okay when it's not. <coughs> I love that. But it's not just about the honesty. I love the reminder of the importance of community. Ain't nobody in this room alone. We're in this together. But it's not just about the importance of community. I love the mindfulness aspect of this. We acknowledge that we're in pain but we're also going to move forward. I love that. But I don't just love that. Right? What I love about this is not just the honesty, not just the reminder of the importance of community, not just the idea of mindfulness. What I really, really, really love about this whole speech is the gratitude behind it. <coughs> Ted says, look around you and be grateful that you've got all these other people to go through this together. Right, you see, if, as we're going through something, if we can take a moment to separate ourselves from that unfortunate, <coughs> that unfortunate event that we find ourselves facing, if we can ob observe our difficulty a bit objectively for just a second, 
I think it allows us to see all the good that we are surrounded by, even though the bad is looming so large in front of us. It's like we get so focused on the bad that's in front of us, we fail to see the fact that we are surrounded by so much good. In that moment, as you're going through the difficulty, <clears throat> if we would be able to just open our eyes a little bit more, maybe be brave enough to look around the room, what you might just see is the love and support of the friends and family that you have. If we, going through a difficult moment, <clears throat> would be able to open our eyes a little bit and to be brave enough to look around the room, what you might just see is, what you might just experience is the presence of God that's already there because the presence of God is always with you. And so when you can come to a place of seeing and feeling the love of other people toward you in this life, and when you can come to the place of seeing and feeling the love of God towards you in your life, it should provide us with a great sense of gratitude regardless of whatever it is we're currently facing. Oh, there's so much more to my life than just this one problem. Oh, there's so much love and the presence of God that I'm surrounded by that actually is probably a lot greater than whatever it is I'm facing. And if you can walk through these difficulties of this life with a sense of gratitude, knowing that you are never alone, maybe this will be the very thing that gives you the courage to continue walking through it, that then you can continue to move onward and forward. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Ain't nobody in this life alone. Amen and amen. Um, what an interesting place to leave a, uh, a series. Uh, that season, of course, ends that way. Uh, if you've dived into the series uh, along with us, uh, the TV show series, then you'll know there's a season two. And a season three, I believe, is upcoming in a month or so. Um, but man, what a great message. What a great, um, inspiring and hopeful way to... Uh, to sort of process sadness and what a great reminder that we are never ever alone uh, God is with us uh, wherever we go that's one of the key promises that God makes uh, in Scripture um, so that's it for the Ted Lasso series we're moving on uh, next week to a series we're calling the weight of paper and so if you're interested in that um, if that maybe is a little bit intriguing to you come check it out uh, you can get caught up on um, messages that you've missed, even whole services uh, that you've missed. Uh, those are posted on our Facebook page, uh, as well as live streamed every Sunday on our Facebook page. That's, uh, sorry, I said Facebook. I meant YouTube, youtube.com slash at the Foundry C. Uh, you can also find live services at thefoundry.live, and you can find our sermon archive on our website at thefoundryc.org slash watch. 
You can also, if you're so inclined, uh, download an app called Church Center. Uh, when you first open it up, you can search for the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. It'll get you connected with our church, and you can watch uh, our live streams in the app. You can interact with groups and prayer requests and giving and all sorts of other stuff through that app, too. It's kind of a one-stop shop, very easy way to stay in touch and to keep up with what's going on here at the Foundry. For now, that will do it. We'll see you next time on the Foundry Church Podcast.